love yourself, self-love and acceptance is really the foundation of all of this. And living as oneself and operating in a way that you know that's true and correct for you is is probably the simplest way I could put it. And, you know, as complex as human design is in a system like this, I think that's what it all leads back to. And so that's what I would offer. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 677. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Well, my friends, I am so excited about today's episode. You have heard quite the journey with me. You have heard me be introduced to techniques and methodologies and thought processes that I have never heard of before. However, back in episode number 668 with Zach Poiter, I think I'm saying his name right, Poitra, thank you. See, it's a good thing there's no rolling of the R's there. You may remember that he mentioned his friend, John Cole, who does human design. He, or he had asked me if I had ever heard of human design before. And I had, but I really wasn't familiar. And this is something that I was introduced to about a year ago. I was at an event. People that I was out to dinner with were talking about human design. I was fascinated. I pulled up a website and entered a few pieces of information. And all of a sudden, I got this crazy looking chart put into my face. And I didn't know where to go from there. And my life was crazy. So a year passed. And then Zach talked about this. And I had to reach out to John. So today's guest is John Cole. And I'm going to let him give an introduction to himself. But what I want you to know is if you're listening on your favorite podcast player, if you're listening through my website, I want you to go to the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp677 and click the link to the YouTube video version of this recording, because there you'll be able to see the chart as John is explaining it. So John, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, I am too. Thanks for having me today. Oh, you are so welcome. John, how did you get into this? Well, it actually started a while back with astrology about 20 something years ago. My mother is an astrologer, so I was introduced to astrology at a relatively young age. And after I would say a, a initial period of skepticism, I ended up agreeing to get an astrological reading, which kind of blew my mind at the time. I, I was like, all right, this, this person has some information on me that no one else has, you know, said or had or pointed out. And it really resonated with me. And, and that started a decades long study of astrology, which took me up to about five or six years ago, when an astrologer friend of mine said, hey, have you heard of human design? And kind of dropped it in my lap. And I started looking at it. And kind of like you said, at first, I was like, what is this crazy system? I can see that there are some familiar aspects to it, like the planets and there's a birth chart, but it was unlike anything I had seen before. And then I just, something clicked and I, I dove deep into it, started taking classes, formal training, and then started in incorporating it into my astrological practice. And then after a, a few years of that, I just started doing primarily human design. And 
a little bit of astrology on the side. I have a question that I know some listeners are going to groan at and say, did you really just ask that? But astrology, John, what, is that the same as horoscopes in the newspaper or is there more? Like, I, I honestly don't know the answer to this. It is. So when we when we look at the horoscopes in the newspaper, we're really talking about sun sign astrology, which categorizes people in a sense in, according to the sign that their sun is in. And there's 12 different signs in the zodiac. And so I would say it was a very simplified aspect of, of astrology. There are some very complex, deep and older astrological traditions that are a lot more involved, but it is the same thing as a horoscope. That's where it's coming from. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if there was, I'm just very green on all of this. So that's why I'm so fascinated. Okay. Listeners, you are going to find out a lot about me today. For example, (laughs) in order to do my human design reading chart, how do you say it? You could say human design chart or it's called the body graph. Um, Okay. mm -hmm. In order to do my body graph, I had to provide John my birth date, my city of birth and my time of birth, which is so funny because when we were talking about a month ago, while we were literally on a Zoom, I picked up the phone and called my mom and I was like, mom, I'm on a call right now. I just need to know what time of day I was born. <laughs> she says, 7.09 a.m. I'm 41 years old, everybody. I'm surprised my mom could still remember that. But anyway, you know, I've shared my weight on the podcast. I've shared my credit score when it really sucked. So now you're going to know my exact date. Birthday gifts are welcome anytime, March 2nd, 1979 at 7.09 a.m. in Rochester, New York. And that information is how John pulled together my body chart, body design chart, see, brain fart. And uh, this is what we're going to work off of today. So again, if you're not already watching on YouTube, click over there because then you can see what was so confusing to me and you can walk through the process as John explains my chart to me. But if you want your chart, wait till the end and we'll give you John's information because your information, unless you were also born at 7.09 a.m. in Rochester, New York on March 2nd, 1979, your chart's going to be absolutely different. Yes. That's one of the things about this system, which we'll, we'll be getting into is just how different we each are that when based on the time and place of birth, as you mentioned, you get a very specific detailed map of your, you could say your energetic makeup, uh, your potentials, your gifts, your capacities in this life. And you see as much difference in charts as, as you have people on the planet just about. And so, each person's very unique. And even if the chart looks relatively similar on the surface, there are levels of depth beyond it, which show a lot of difference at the same time. So John, I'm going to hide my camera and I would love if you would take us through a little bit what we're seeing here on the screen. Sure. So just for starters, uh, human design is, is basically a system of knowledge that came into the world in 87. It was you could say, uh, received by an individual who ended up adopting the name Ra Uruhu, uh, not his birth name, but he had a week-long experience of essentially a voice that came into his head and started talking to him and telling him things. It was almost like a certain formula or pattern was was shoved into this 
person's brain. And he spent the next 20 something years refining it, unpacking it and teaching it. So it's basically a system of knowledge that is here in this world at a specific time to support us in living as ourselves, awakening as ourselves to the life that we're here to live. As we said before, it's based on the time and place of one's birth. We're looking at a a map of your energetic potential, how your energy chem is set into certain patterns, where it's fixed in certain ways, where it operates consistently, and where it's open. And open mean meaning kind of conditional or circumstantial, depending on what's going on either in the transit field from an astrological standpoint or how you're interacting with others, the others in your life. So that's basically what we're we're looking at here is a birth chart or a type of birth chart showing the positions of the planets at two different times. And and this is where if if you have a copy of a human design chart or you're watching the video on YouTube, you can see what I'm describing because it's a very visual system. We've got these two columns of planets. On the right, we have personality where these numbers are in black and we have the planetary symbols next to them. And then we have another column where the numbers are in red and the title there is design. And we have another set of planetary symbols. These are essentially two different birth charts. They're representing the planets at the time of birth in a particular hexagram of the I Ching, which is referred to as a gate in human design. But these numbers represent one of the 64 different hexagrams that are arranged along the, I'm going to switch views real quick, along the wheel, the zodiac Holy wheel. Holy goodness, wow. And you can see that here we have the familiar zodiac signs for those of you who are familiar with some astrology. And then we have on the outer wheel, we have these numbers and then these little symbols, which are the hexagrams of the I Ching, this, this ancient Chinese text that goes back thousands of years. It was originally used as a kind of a divinatory system, maybe a little bit like Tarot. Um, or the runes where it's essentially representing these 64 different frequencies or archetypes, patterns of energy and experience that we can have as humans. And it's a very fascinating system in itself. It has some really amazing correspondence to the human genome in terms of our genetic sequence. And it's, it's, there's a certain mathematical construct and elegance to it. But human design is using these gates or hexagrams of the I Ching in place of the signs. And and so if we go back to this other view, we can see that we're looking at planetary positions where you have the sun, for example, this would be the sun at the time of, of birth in hexagram 37 on the sixth line of that hexagram, because there's six lines in each hexagram. And all of that carries a very specific meaning, or you could say there's a certain frequency of expression here. And then going back to this left column where it says design and the numbers are red, this is a secondary set of planetary positions that's taken three months before the birth, which is essentially the beginning of the third trimester of the pregnancy. In the human design system, the understanding is at that point, the form, the body was set. It was fixed with certain patterns or certain traits, characteristics, and the part of us that comes back in in this life, you could say the soul, or it's referred to as the personality crystal in, in human design, drops into the form 
and begins integrating into the body. And then you, you're born three months later and you have the whole person. So you're looking at basically personality and design, mind and body, or you could say conscious and unconscious. Mm. And that's, that's just kind of, we're just getting started, but I'll pause there. Yeah, I have a question about that, about the design column, because I was actually a month early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that like, is that something that I should have disclosed to you? No, no, no. That see that that's a p- interesting question and a, and a pretty common question that comes up, and it's one that I wrestled with myself. Where what happens when you have, say, a cesarean section or you know a scheduled birth, or what happens if if you're born a month early, like my daughter was? That, how does it still work? And the the, the answer is I I don't know, but I have an I have a theory or I have an idea that I'll just toss out there, <clears throat> which is. Essentially, that it works because it was all predetermined that way. I'm and okay with that. I mean, I'm I'm Christian, and I know that God always knows, so I'm cool with that answer. And that's that's ex- exactly along those lines is is where I end up. It's, okay. Yeah, and, and it's just it's predetermined, and and you know, I think we're each individually. Well, I would say it this way: we each have our own comfort level with that idea of you know choice or free will and fate or predetermination. And, you know, that's kind of an individual orientation, but it really does seem to me, the more I work with these charts and work with human design and work with astrology, that there is a level of predetermination that goes beyond what we, what we maybe are comfortable with or what we commonly think as, as a society. I am okay with that too. So looking with how you just explained it and showing the other chart, the the round one, mm-hmm. what was that one called again? This is the wheel or the mandala where okay, you can really see the whole arrangement. Yep. So I, I mean, really having pulled my chart myself, I wouldn't have ever been able to figure out what the heck it meant. I had the same experience coming in as an astrologer with years. I, I, I remember my first I guess impression here was like, wow, this is really complicated. What is, what is this, you know? And, and how would something like this even exist? But the the thing about human design is it's, it's really not presented as a belief system or a dogma or something that, you know, that we just necessarily take on faith or anything. It's, it's really best used as a point of reference, something that we can either play with or experiment with, test and verify for ourselves and see, does this actually hold up? Does this actually fit with my experience? Does do things seem to work this way? And and that's a very experiential process. It when you first look at the system, it seems very abstract, very intellectual, it's complicated, and yet and it is to a certain degree, but I think that the real value of it, where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, is in the lived experience, when you start translating what's being described in the body graph into one's life and you see like, oh, this actually is the way that it is for me, or there's this sense of kind of recognition of of oneself in it. And so much of this system is really about coming back to oneself, one's authentic self or true self and and living from that place, from a place of self-acceptance and self-love. And and part of that process is kind of letting go of a lot of things that we either thought we were or that we were trying to be or other people wanted us to, 
to be. And so there is this, what's referred to as kind of a deconditioning process of working with this knowledge. I'm still going through deconditioning. <laughs> All right. I would love to go over the rave properties, if you don't mind, because I remember the first time I saw this and it says not self-theme. And next to that is anger. I mean, I do not like to be angry. I, I don't know anybody who really does like to be mm -hmm. angry. I know people who are angry more often than other people are angry, but it seems spot on to me, but I don't really, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than I understand. And then secondary to that, I started seeing the type and the strategy and all of that. Would you, I mean, what makes sense for how to walk through what this means? I think the rave properties will be a good point of reference for us. Okay, great. You know, and you mentioned type. Type is one of the first things that people will encounter when they when they run their chart or they start looking into human design. And I think it does deserve a little bit of explanation in in that when we talk about type in human design, it's not it's not so much personality type, you know, like maybe like something like the Myers Briggs or you know, it's it's not really describing yeah, things on, on kind of like an astrological sun sign level or, you know, again, Myers-Briggs type system. What it's really describing is our energetic or auric type. And, and by aura, I mean our bioenergetic field that, that we all have. And it's describing the way our energy is designed to move through the world, how it, how we're designed to operate in the world. And it, Kim, in your case, your type is manifester. And there's four types in human design. Manifestors are 10% of the population, roughly. There is another type called generator, which is roughly 70% of the population. So the dominant energetic type in our species. And then there is another type called projector, which is about 20%. And that's my type. And then there's a very rare type called reflector, which is about 1% or less of the population and if you were looking at a re reflector chart right now, what you would see is that all of the centers were white. Nothing was colored in. There are no mm. lines running in between the centers. Each of these shapes are referred to as centers and they're aspects of our, our functioning. So, for example, like the head centers up here, the head and the ajna at the very top. And then the throat where, where the throat is placed. And you've got the, the center in the middle, this white diamond in, in your chart, Kim, which is uh, the G center, the center for identity and self. The little red triangle here near the heart is the heart center, the ego center. You've got the solar plexus down here on the bottom right hand corner that's colored in brown with the lines running into it. And opposite that on the left side, you've got the spleen. And that's an awareness center. It has to do with our survival, our sense of well-being. You've got this bottom square second or sec square second from the bottom, which is the sacral center, which is white in your chart. And then you've got the root at the very bottom of the body graph, which is the physical pressure center, what we ground and how we handle stress or pressure. And so, you know, when we look at a body graph or chart, we're seeing that some of these centers are colored in and some are not colored in. And we have lines running in between these centers the lines are referred to as channels and the channels represent the life force. So when you have channel definition, it fixes your aura into a certain pattern, a certain frequency. And 
that's where type comes from. And so going back to this, this type, based on your definition, your energetic field is set into a type that's referred to as manifester, which about 10% of the population has that type. And so I can talk a little bit about what it means to be a manifester and we can go into your specifics or. Yeah, I would love that. But I'm, I'm glad you brought up the colors because I was wondering if the colors of the different centers were significant. And from what you just said, I gather that they are. So I'd love to talk about that later. Okay. But yeah, I believe I have an understanding of manifester, but I would love to hear your explanation. Sure. So it, it's it's interesting to talk about you know what it means to be a manifester, especially in today's world where there is generally a lot of talk about manifesting. You know about let's let's bring something into form. Let I want to have an impact on the world. I want to to make something happen, or I want to start something. That's very much very much what the manifester design is about. But what's interesting from the point of view of human design, there are really only one in 10 people who have that capacity in and of themselves, which what I mean by that is that they have, they are built or designed to initiate things, to have an impact on the world, to bring things into form. That doesn't mean that the other 90% of the population can't do that, but there are certain conditions in which that happens um, or, or not. And so it, it gets a little bit more complicated than just saying, I'm going to go and make something happen. I'm going to just go start start something. And you'll see that a lot of people are out there kind of acting like a manifester or initiating things as a manifester, but perhaps getting mixed results or things they, they never really take off or they don't get the traction. And so what does it mean to be a manifester? It means that you have that ability. You are one of, you know, one of those, you know, 10 people statistically who is here to have an impact on the world and to do it according to your own vision, like what you see or what you want to experience or bring into the world. And manifestors have an energetic type, which is, I would say, designed to not be interfered with. In other words, like once you're clear on what it is that you want to initiate or act upon, or the impact that you want to have, you don't really have to wait for anyone. You don't, you really don't even have to ask for permission. You have all the potential capacity within yourself to go into action. But there's, there are some, some, I would say, limitations to being a manifester. Um, one is that manifestors are usually better at starting things, initiating things than they are in the follow through. The energy to follow through and maintain what they, mm-hmm. what they start can, it's, it's inconsistent. It, 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 sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. And so you'll find manifestors by their own experience of living in the world, they will often have to become, I guess, more aware or wise about how they're u- using their energy. And I kind of think it's, it's interesting to, to be saying that on your podcast, you know, because, you know, from what I can understand, a lot of it is about how to be more efficient with how we're doing things in the world or using our energy in the world. And that is one of the, the, I say characteristics of a manifester is to be wise about energy or to be sensitive to energy and then to, to develop a certain amount of wisdom or mastery around it 
that will enable them to fulfill their mission or whatever they're they're about. Well, it's just so interesting on so many standpoints because I've found that I need to be mindful what I'm thinking about because when I'm worried about lack, I get more lack, right? Mm-hmm. I'm manifesting lack. But I'm even thinking <laughs> back to 2007, 2008, I had my first business and when I would be going through points of struggle, I would put out there that I needed some help. And I've never shared this to anybody or with anybody before, but I would I would put out to my grandfather who had passed a decade before that I needed some help. And every single time I put it out to him, and it, it was a half dozen times at the most, every single time I would put out to him that I needed something, I would get it the same day. Well, you're, I think you're touching on something really interesting about being a manifester. And, and this, this is going to take us a little bit deeper into your chart. What makes someone a manifester is that they have one of the four motors. Actually, I would say the three motors because there's a condition with, with the fourth, but one of three motors are connected directly to the throat center. So this brown square here in the throat is the center for action manifestation, self-expression, how we bring things into form. And you've got two of the four motors in the body graph basically running into the throat through this channel, the 3635. And so in relation to what you're saying, once you're clear on what you want to do or bring into form, it happens immediately. You're not waiting for something from the outside. You're not waiting for the conditions the external conditions to change or someone to come and invite you or ask you or to it's instantaneous. But and you that's just what, said decide though, right? Once I decide. Yes. Because that's what usually gets me in, me in trouble is I don't decide. But when I decide, yeah, there's no stopping me. And I'm, I'm going to back up for a second where you said that manifestors have, I mean, it's the finishing that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. I've called that chronic idea disorder for hmm. years and i have it i have no trouble starting something but i'm like i've been joking about my youngest son he just started kindergarten he gets distracted by dust and i feel like i'm a bit of the same i get distracted by dust i have no problem starting but i need to actively decide to finish right and and so what you're kind of getting at here i think is this definition that we're seeing down here in this is the heart center, the ego center, which is the center for willpower. Basically, you could say kind of what you want in a way. And yeah, then, why is it red? That's concerning. Uh, <laughs> the, color, the colors are consistent uh, across all body graphs. And okay. from my understanding, the colors were given to the messenger, the transmitter of the system by the voice. And so he just saw it or it just came into him and these are the colors. And so that's kind of, I know it's a bit of a non-answer, but those are just the colors that were, that he saw. And what's the significance of it? I'm not really sure why it's red, but everyone has it red or it's going to be white if it's not defined, if it's open. Okay. And then over here, this, I'd mentioned before, this center at the bottom right hand side is the solar plexus. This is the emotional center. This Mm -hmm. has to do with, our emotional energy, our moods, our feelings, our desires, our passions, our sense of loyalty or socialness. In in your case, you have it very hooked up. You've got two channels defining it. 
the 4037 and the 3536. And you have all of the gates in there except for 49 defined. And this is a very strong emotional process. And when the, when the emotional center is the solar plexus is defined in a chart, it gives one what is called a emotional authority. What the word authority means your particular way of making decisions or coming to the truth of something within yourself, as opposed to external forms of authority like experts or authority figures or you know whomever. A lot of human design is about helping us tap into our own inner sense of truth, our own inner sense of of knowing or awareness that is essentially coming in some way through the body as opposed to through the mind. And so what I'm getting at here is a lot of your potential to manifest is based on you being clear emotionally about the impact that you want to have in the world. And that once you're clear about the impact, this is, this is the experience I want to have. This is what I want to go and see, you know, I've got a desire or I've got this thing that I, I would like to go learn or check out or explore. Once you're clear on that, that's when all of your energy is, is available and it, it will be expressed in the world in a way that is true for you or correct for you and clear versus if you're not clear on it, if you haven't, you know, come gone through a certain process internally around it, it can be hard to to feel like you're getting the results that you desire in the world or it, that you're having to impact without that clarity that you that you want to have if that makes sense it makes absolute sense and to the listener who's been with me for a while you know that i went through a major shift in my business in the past year where i had to part ways with a long time client because my heart wasn't in their work anymore. I didn't feel right about it, but I put it off for so long because I I was staying for the for the financial aspect, whereas I knew my impact was not as great as I wanted it to be. But I stayed in it for so long because I didn't trust that you know it was going to be better. But the second that I decided, I love how all this is coming together. The second that I decided that I was done. And moved on. It was amazing to see how easy it was to do what I wanted to do without struggle. Right. And so this, you had, you had asked about the not self theme earlier of anger and, yeah. and where that's coming from in the manifester type is that the manifestors are here to kind of be a lone wolf, to be somewhat independent, to go about things in their own way and not be interfered with. In other words, to, you know, to basically get on with their life and to have the impact that they want to have, to have the experiences, to do what they want to do. And often that means that they have to either maybe work alone a little bit more than, than the next person, or they don't really do well working under people who are either too controlling in some way. Now, there's something about your design in specific that, that kind of balances that out. And it's a very strong feature in your design that isn't really part of, I would say, directly related to being a manifester. And it's this channel, the 4037, 
which is your personality sun earth. You can see in the body graph at the top of the personality column that you've got the sun in hexagram or gate 37. And then the symbol below it is the earth in gate 40. This is called the channel of community. And it represents a very big theme in your life, what you're here to to express or to be in a way, to be this independent, um, self-directed manifester who is part of a community or oversees a community. It's in the sixth line of these gates. And so what you see with the sixth line is that you're often kind of on the edge of things or you're a little bit removed from it. Yet, you know, this idea of being either part of a group, a tribe, a family, a community becomes something very uh, important, a very important theme for you. And so you can, you know, just like people, people are complex. You have charts that are complex and that represent the complexity or these different aspects of ourselves. And so you'll see things like, okay, this person is designed to be very independent on one hand, and yet they're also a community family person. They can be very traditional in, in, in a way. But you got me over here laughing again. I mean, I'm wondering how my introvertedness comes out. I mean, I feel like it's a little bit in play here then because yeah, I, I just want to, and this is not, this is not the typical cleaned mouth, clean mouthed Kim that you'll hear most often on the podcast. But a lot of the time I just want to tell people to leave me the F alone and give me some space. <laughs> right? right. But I also have five kids and a husband. So, I mean, just within our house, I feel like I have a community, you know, mm-hmm. and they're all looking at me. But at the same time, I, I do like to go to events. But at the end of the day, I don't want to go party. I want people like, don't follow me to my whole hotel room thinking that we're going to drink all night. Right. Give me some space. Let me climb into bed and watch some HGTV for the rest of the day in silence. Right. And you know, so on, on this not self theme of anger, that's the anger comes up as a result of being either interfered with or resisted, or if someone were trying to direct and control you or control any manifester, what you're going to get is anger. And it's not, it sounds, you know, negative or unpleasant and it can be, but what it also can be is a, an interesting point of reference for, for everyone, for, for yourself and like, oh, I'm getting angry. Do I need more space? Do I, uh, you know, trying to be interfered with or why am I angry? It can, it can be something that brings more awareness. And for the other person on the receiving end, it can be a sign like, Hey, back off. I'm done or I'm not, I'm not going to keep going now. I'm going to, I'm going to rest. Oh my gosh, John. It took me years to get through to my husband that when I say I need some space to think about this does not mean keep on pushing. And if you do, it's you're going to get anger. Yeah, that, you're going to get like the worst side of Kim possible. Mm-hmm. And in a way, that's almost, you know, again, not pleasant, not fun, but it's correct. Correct meaning that it's almost like, you know, you put these two chemicals together and you get this result. It, that's what happens. This is just the energetic mechanics of, of the dynamic. But you have, you know, you've got these other sides to yourself, which... This gate 37, which is your sun hexagram, you could kind of think of it as your sun sign in astrology or in human design. This is called uh, the family in the original I Ching. 
37 was called the family. In human design, it's, it's the gate of friendship and loyalty. And so you've got a manifester who is independent, who doesn't like being interfered with, who has their own vision, who is here to have an impact on the world through the experiences that you have or that you want to have and the processes you want to go through. And yet you've got also a person who's very friendly, very loyal, very traditional in a way, you know, here for community, here to be a part of something, here to be a role model or a leader in a community or family. That's what the gate six really is. In this case, it's, it's the role model. It's a leadership line. And so you're kind of, you're kind of in it, but you're also kind of outside it and above it in a way. So yeah, it's just, it's fascinating to actually see some of these things that, you know, we maybe recognize about ourselves or we have a sense of, and then you start seeing it described in, in a system like human design, and it can be a really helpful point of view and in terms of our awareness of self and then and for the others in our life as well. You even have me thinking about where I like to sit at events. Some people love the center of the room. No, I'm, I'm quite happy at one, you know, being closest to the aisle on one of the mm-hmm. outside seats on the edge or on one of the outside tables with my back facing out, nobody behind me. And I always just thought that was me, you know, one of my quirks, but it actually, it is just not in a bad way. So looking at both of these columns here, mm-hmm. are the symbols always the same from top to bottom, like in that order, or does that order even have something to do specifically with me? The order of the planetary symbols are always going to be the same on okay. both sides, but what's going to change are the numbers and the lines uh, or the gates and the lines, the numbers that we see in each column. They're going to be very different from person to person. And in the body graph, the centers will always be in the same position. The numbers and the centers will be in the same position. However, which numbers are colored in and what lines are between them are going to change based on what planets are activating which gates. So to give you a quick example, your 37 sun is right down here in the solar plexus. This is, the, again, the gate of family or loyalty. And then you've got gate 40 activated uh-huh. here by the personality Earth in the ego. And when you have one of these lines, which we refer to as channels, connecting the two centers, the two centers on either side are colored in and it represents how the life force life force is fixed into a certain pattern, a certain frequency of expression. And that makes us who we are or, or what we are, how it determines how our energy is designed to work in the world. And so the variation comes from what planets are activating, what gates and, and what centers, basically. So fascinating. So can you walk us through what these different colors of lines mean? I mean, I would have to think that white is pretty, is like, I don't want to say insignificant in a bad way, but I would have to think that it, the lines that I would be looking at are the solid black or the red or the diagonal red and black. Am I right there? You are right. And that's a great question. And that's something I, I did want to point out here is the centers, the gates and the lines that are colored in, they represent our definition. What is fixed, consistent and reliable in our experience? What makes us what we are? Anything that's not colored in, whether we're talking about a line, a gate like the 17 or the 4, the 24 or the 10 down here in the G center, anything that's not colored in represents where 
you could, well, I think the simplest way to say it is it's not us. It's not something that we're here to necessarily embrace or nurture in ourselves or to, to be. However, we will have an experience of everything in the body graph as we live our life because what will happen is you're going to, we will tend to draw the energies, the frequencies, the others to us that represent what we don't have or what we, there's kind of a magnetic quality to all this where, for example, you know, let's just say gate 10, you know, it's open in your design here. That doesn't mean that you will never experience gate 10. Gate 10, gate 10 is the gate of love of oneself. It's also called the gate of behavior, just being oneself, loving oneself. This is, this is me. And you can have a sense of that, but you'll have a sense of that either through your life experiences, through the, the planetary influences that are coming in or the relationships in your life. But if you were to, you know, fixate on that and say that I need to be that, or let me give you a better example here. This gate two, for example, is this is called the receptive in the original I Ching, but it's the gate of direction or the driver in human design. And this is about having an individual direction in life. If this was colored in and, you know, defined in the G center through this channel, the 214 or another way, it would mean that you would have this consistent sense of identity, who you are, what you're doing and where you're going. But your design is not about that. It's not about you always knowing who you are, what you're doing or where you're going. It's basically saying that that's going to come in from the outside. It's going to come in from life is your sense of direction through your exchanges with life and others. And that when it comes to you, we'll go back to the definition, what's colored in. And looking at your design, you have a lot of what's called abstract circuitry, which is all about cycles of experience. So this 3536 channel here, this is called the channel of transitoriness, a design of a jack of all trades. And this is really about going through life and having experiences, having a desire for a new experience and just going through it for the sake of it from this place of like, I don't know what this is, or I haven't had this experience to coming out the other end and gathering experience. And then this 35 is called the gate of change or progress. And by going through the whole experience, something can be learned. Something can be shared. It's something. Oh my goodness. That's huge. <laughs> so I, I had somebody tell me once that what goes on in my life wasn't meant to be shared in my business. And I knew in my heart that that was not right. And I've heard from listeners and blog readers and clients how much they appreciated hearing what I've experienced because I won't not share, <laughs> which is why I've shared things like my weight and my credit score and our stories of foreclosure and bankruptcy and or not bankruptcy, uh, reposition and all, you know, all the struggles, but how I was able to come out of it, which is the manifestation part, you know, mm -hmm. like by thinking we will come out of this. And now it's all like, oh, holy, you're blowing my mind. Like, I'm sorry, John, but I was still skeptic coming in today because I didn't, I still didn't like have a clue. Listeners, I want you to know that I told John, don't tell me anything about this because I want to hear it on the podcast. <laughs> right? Yes. yes. So this is all. And 
John only knows about me what he's read or listened to. If in a, I don't mean this in a bad way, John, but you're a busy person. I don't expect you to have listened to 677 episodes of the podcast. Just, yeah. So bits and pieces. Right? Yes. So, bits and pieces. Maybe Zach's, mm-hmm. you know, but that's about it. Like so many of my stories, you wouldn't have known how much of my story goes into my story. Right. I, and yeah, I, I, I don't. Um, I'm just reading this map and this is why I continue to, to experiment and, ex- and work with this system is because it consistently seems to hold up again and again. And I just have to have a certain amount of faith or trust in the knowledge and in the system and in the interpretation, I guess. But yeah, I, I, most of the sessions that I do and when I work with people, I'm meeting them for the very first time and I know nothing about them. But I, I feel like what I can do is I can, if, you know, again, if, if this holds up and there's something to it, I can see who's actually there and I can see what's, what the life is about. And then it becomes a question of, can I translate that in a way that's meaningful to, to the other? And, you know, going back to the sharing theme that you mentioned, it's, it's huge in your chart. So I agree with you. You're right. It's like you, you are here to share. And, and that is a major theme in your life. And it's a major aspect of your, of what you're doing, your manifestation. These three channels here, the 6447 up in the head, the 1156, and then the 3536, these are all part of what's called collective circuitry in the body graph. It's a type of channel that is designed to be shared. It is all about sharing. And the 30, okay, but the red scares me. I just want need to put it out there. The red scares me. Like I, I see the red and I think that there must be a block. You know what the red is? It's representing the characteristics or the frequency that your body is putting out. So you could think of anything that's red in the body graph as operating unconsciously, not unconsciously as in, in any sort of negative sense, but unconsciously as in your body's just doing it. You're doing it without your conscious participation or awareness of it. And so it, the red ends up being something that we develop a sense of maybe over time, or we reflect on it or someone points it out. And, you know, so for example, this, this channel of transitoriness, this jack of all trades, it's all about experiential learning and going through the experience for, for just the experience itself, almost without expectation. Let's just go have this experience and come out the other end and I'll have something to share. And you're going to have an impact on the world through whatever you're doing in your sharing and how you're sharing on your podcast, through your voice, through your speaking. And the red means that it's just your body doing it. This is what's very natural for you to do on a physical level, regardless of whether your mind understands it or not, or can make sense of it or not. Where if you go to the one fully black channel, you have the 4037, the black would be seen as like conscious, like what you might identify as yourself. Or I could say, hey, you're, you're, you know, a family person and family bonds are important and being a part of like a community, whether the community is your family and your relatives, or it could be, you could even say your extended family of the, of your podcast audience, there would be a certain awareness to that. Like, yeah, I kind of know that about myself. That's kind of obvious, but the red tends to be something that just happens of its own accord, almost like our hair growing or our heart beating. Our body just does it. wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. 
Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. So what about the red and black? That means that there's a conscious activation and an unconscious activation in the same channel. And what it tends to do is function unconsciously. And so if we, if we get up here to the mind, what's really interesting about this mental definition that you have, the 6447, this is called the channel of abstraction and it's half conscious, half unconscious. And this is it sounds like me in any given point of the day. <laughs> this channel is described as uh, a design of mental activity mixed with clarity. And so this is a very busy mind. It's a pictorial mind that is constantly working to connect the dots and make sense of something like what happened? What was that experience about? What did that mean? And it can be a very creative mind and it can be something that is it's really here to be shared with others. That's the funny thing about the way the mind is looked at in human design is it's more about sharing the one's mind is about sharing one's view and perspective and awareness with others. It's not so much about making decisions about one's own life. And that's kind of a big departure from a lot of our early education and and conditioning and upbringing. But, you know, quickly going back to your emotional authority here, the solar plexus, the, the thing about it is that it, what this is saying is the correct way of you coming to the truth about something, whether you should do something or start something or the impact that you want to have is by going through several cycles of, of emotion and feeling around it. In other words, having the patience to wait until a certain clarity emerges through the emotional process to where there is either a feeling of clarity consistency, or maybe just evenness in the emotional process where I just know how I feel. I just feel like this. But if you're going up and down on kind of like an emotional wave or process where some days you get up and you feel good about it, some days you get up and you're you're feeling not so good about it, or you know, you're not really sure, there's a sense of nervousness, all of those things are indications that more time is needed. And so what what I'm really okay. saying here is this is a design that you, while you're not waiting for anything outside of yourself before you go into action, you're yep. waiting for internal emotional clarity before you do anything to not be spontaneous in the moment and just, I'm going to do this because I want to. Well, you can do that, but you may not get, have the impact that you want. You may not get the results. You may, you know, uh, encounter resistance from others. And so. There is a, there's a process of internal waiting through your emotional process that is going to lead or result in better results in the world for whatever you're doing. Right. Okay. So that's so fascinating to me because like when I made the decision to leave that client last year, 
I had ridden the roller coaster for some time, mm-hmm. but I my roller coaster got stuck at the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew it was time to go. I like the way you described that. I think that that sounds right on. I think if you if you're on the roller coaster and then all of a sudden you realize that okay, I'm just on the bottom now. This doesn't feel good. I don't like this. This is not working and I feel that way consistently. Uh-huh. It's almost as if the intelligence of your body, your emotions, your feelings are saying this isn't working, this isn't right and then you know. It's that consistency yeah. that eventually comes, but when you're on the roller coaster you know, it's almost like having rose-colored glasses on when you're at the high point. Uh-huh. You know, it's like right. things look better than it is than they are. Or sometimes when you're really low, it seems a lot worse than it is. And so the longer you wait, you realize, oh, this is actually what it is. Right. Yeah. And actually, when I made the decision to leave my ex-husband, I had ridden that roller coaster for a couple of years there too. But I realized, okay, this ride is... I'm stuck at the bottom here too. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say, please know listeners, not every story and major life change in my life happens with being stuck at the bottom of the roller coaster. Like I've had amazing experience that happened after sustained periods at the top. So I just want to make that clear. I see also, and I apologize if you already discussed this one, but the 4426 is also connected. Mm-hmm. So what is that one? I'm glad you glad you asked. I was wanting to get to that one. So this is an interesting channel that along with the 4037, the 2644 is a tribal activation. These are both two tribal channels that go with the three collective channels I, I'd mentioned earlier. And this is about using your will, your ego to transmit something to the tribe, to a community to an audience. And 44 is called the gate of alertness or coming to meet in the original I Ching. And this is an instinctive nose for people, how to deliver or transmit something to an audience, to the other. And so this channel, the 2644 is called the channel of surrender, a design of a transmitter. And if you kind of take that in into context of being a manifester and having an impact on the world, part of your impact is going to be through what you're transmitting, what you're sharing through your voice and what what you're doing in the world, and also being able to transmit a, a message or a product or a service or an idea. It's, that's kind of a key idea or, or, or key concept for the 2644. Since it's tribal, the theme about the tribal channels are about support, that there's a supportive quality to this, like a recognition that a particular audience needs some type of support or wants something or um, that can be benefited through a transmission. And you have the capacity to do that. And you're here to do that and, and here to, to start those things. And and to have- you know what's huge here is how it all plays together, even in this part, because I mean, I do marketing automation for people, right? And I do have this podcast. I have social media handles, you know, on the big platforms. But what has never worked for me is doing it how other people told me I should do it. That goes back to the earlier, you know, me resisting what other people tell me to do. Mm-hmm. And what has worked for me really well is going about my own, like learning on my own, 
experiencing it on my own and sharing it in my own way. And if I had followed what all the gurus said, and I tried once, like I started in 2016. Yeah, I just had to think back. In 2016, I was recording a course because I was told to. And because I saw all these other experts out there doing courses like it. And I sounded like the teacher in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. (laughs) Bueller, Bueller. It was absolutely miserable for me. And quite literally, and I think I manifested this. I love seeing how it's all pulling together. The day I finished recording and editing those that first batch of videos, it was on Facebook pages. Even the dog agrees. Facebook redesign their interface for business pages. So everything I had just finished doing and was ready to release was now obsolete. Hmm. I was like, the heck with this. I'm not doing it again. I don't enjoy it. I know Penny, right? I mean, so I don't do that anymore. Hmm. Yeah. You can tell me what I should do, but if I don't feel it, I'm not going to do it. Well, yeah, that what you just said. I mean, your manifesting potential is based on feeling emotion that the solar plexus that the reason that you are a manifester according to this this chart in human design is because you have the emotional energy and system hooked up to the throat the center for action doing and having an impact on the world and so you're exactly right if if the feeling isn't correct or you're not clear on it or you're not there in your process yet then it's not going to be right for you. The other thing that you're, I think you're touching on, which is really good, is that you're here to do it your way. You're not here to do it someone else's way. I mean, we're all here to be ourselves and to express our own uniqueness. But as I was saying before, there's really something about the manifestor aura that is here not to be influenced by others. It's, it's about you finding your own voice. And I find that a lot of manifestors have a certain power in their voice, when they really tap into themselves and they start living from as themselves, that that carries this either quality of transmission or impact through the voice, not just through the actions, but through the literal voice, which is the, the throat. And you've you've got a very powerful design for that. And so, if you're trying to follow someone else's template, you know, basically a script that worked for someone else, as opposed to finding out what is correct for you or works for you, it's it's not going to be as powerful. It's not going to have the impact. And, you know, I don't think it's going to work as well. So you're totally right. I mean, I actually got a, a comment on a, on a YouTube live about a month and a half ago, where I had been following a script that someone had told me to use for doing this video. And then there was a non-scripted video that ended up playing for this person immediately after Mm. she watched the first one. And she flat out told me, I couldn't even finish watching the first one. This one is so much better because (laughs) I can tell that you were talking from your heart. Like, and I know you were trying Yoda, right? Uh, Do or do not, or try, or I don't (laughs) know. There is no try is what I'm trying to Mm -hmm. say. But she says, I know you were trying to feel natural, but don't even try that way anymore. And I didn't even know this person, but she could feel it off of me. John, I don't think we really talked about my husband when we talked the first time. Do you know how I met him? No. So I was, I was getting ready to leave my first husband. I know that I may offend some listeners here and 
sorry, but not sorry. And it was not a safe relationship for me or my boys. And I had already lined up an apartment. So I was in my office and I was looking for furniture on Craigslist. My office was outside the home and I had a TV down there. I was watching the bucket list and it was the first time I had ever watched it. And I decided to take a spin off the bucket list and make a soulmate spec sheet. It had 56 or something items on it of what I wanted in my mate if I were if I were to ever date again. Okay. So I'm on Craigslist literally three weeks later looking for furniture. And I was just so frustrated. I saw this little link that said men looking for women. And I only went on this link or clicked the link to go laugh. I'm going to say exactly what went through my head to laugh at assholes in there. (laughs) My husband was the second link I clicked on and he had all but three of the soulmate spec sheet qualities. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that kind of points back to what we were, we were touching on earlier about the power of a manifester, like, uh-huh. you know, and, and the thing, you know, which I kind of mentioned in the very beginning was that there, there's a lot of talk about manifestation out there and that's something we can all do. We can all manifest, but the conditions in which each individual can manifest, they vary, they, they can be different, but it's, it's this design, this 10% of the population that has that potential within themselves that once you come to clarity or you want something to happen, it's, it's almost magical. It, it happens. So it's, it's kind of like, I think you were probably, you know, getting out earlier, like, be careful what you, what you wish for, be careful what you want, because it, it may just well happen and you're going to have that experience or go through that experience. And. Oh, I've had to be really careful. I mean, we moved into the house that we now own. We were renting to own it. And we told ourselves, our family's complete. We don't need it any bigger. Be careful what you put out there. Because then we heard, oh, you're pregnant with twins. (laughs) (laughs) Just be careful what you put out there. I mean, I think we even joked. Ha, ha, ha. What if we got pregnant again? Don't joke about it. Just don't. If you're a manifester, don't joke about it because you will find out. It does seem like that. And, you know, that when we were talking about the voice earlier, there's another channel that is defining your throat, you know, throat representing the voice and the, and the body graph. This 1156 channel, this is called the channel of curiosity, the design of a searcher. And this is about the experience of seeking, the experience of curiosity and sharing your ideas, sharing the things that you see, your beliefs with others as stories, you know, so you have this very experiential design that is about going through an experiential process. This third line over here on the design side, sun, this is an experimental body that this represents a frequency that your, your physical form, your body or your the vehicle that's taking you through life, it goes through this very experiential process. And it's about kind of just going through life, trying things, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, bumping into things, adapting and learning from that experience. And that that is, I would say there's a certain continuity with that idea and this design that I'm talking about here with these three channels where as you go through life and you have these experiences, as 
you're kind of, again, learning, growing, adapting. They're here to be shared. They're here to be shared through your speaking, through your voice, through stories. The gate 56 is the gate of stimulation. So this is a kind of a, a storyteller voice that elicits an emotional response in, in the listener or that, that kind of stimulates them or causes them to feel something. And when you kind of put it all together, you can start getting a picture of the impact that you're here to have in, in this world. It's really, you know, interesting for me to look at from this point of view, from the mechanics and then the stories that you're already telling and sharing with me seem to be an example of that. Absolutely. Okay. I want to go through a couple other from the rave properties. Okay. Definition, single definition. Single definition means that, that all of your centers are connected together in one configuration. You can see okay. that. Yeah, I can see that. And you will also, and if you're looking at different types of charts, you'll see split definitions where there's two grouping of centers, triple splits where there's three groups of centers, and even quad splits, which are very rare, you have four groups of centers. So when you have a single definition design, it means that there's a sense of kind of self-containment in that, that within yourself, you kind of have everything you need within yourself to process things internally. You're not waiting to have an experience from the outside or something coming to you in order for you to connect the dots. It's your own process that's kind of self-contained and internal, where if you had a split definition, there would be perhaps this greater sense that you need someone else to complete you. Or if, if I, that something's missing within yourself and the split definition doesn't seem to have that. Very interesting. And then profile says six, three. And I know that you've already talked about on the personality side, I have the sixes Mm -hmm. and on the design side, I have the threes and looking down both those sides, I see there's a lot of like more sixes than any other number on the personality side. And on the design side, there's more threes than any other number. Is that where those come from? The profile is coming from the line activations of the sun on the personality and the design side. Okay. when you look at all of the planets within the chart, the sun carries the most weight. It's about 70% of the influence of the planets. And so when we look at the line activations of the sun, we're really looking at something that's called profile. And what that represents is kind of the clothes that we're here to wear in life or the style that we're here to go through life with. And it tells us a little bit about our role out in the whole, in the totality The six is called the role model, and it's a very unique line in the hexagram because it's the only line that goes through a distinct three-part process in life. And the other lines don't seem to follow follow that three-part process. And I'll describe it quickly. It's the first third of the life from, let's say, zero to 28, 29, which is around the time of the Saturn return. The six isn't really operating as a six yet. It's not really a role model. It's still developing its experiences. And the six is operating more as a three. As I mentioned, you have the three on the design side. The three is, is this experiential, experimental trial and error approach to things where it's about going out there and trying it on, seeing what works and what doesn't work. During that first third of your life, from zero to 28, 29, you would have been a double three, all about the experience, all about what you learned, even mistakes. If there, if sometimes six line profiles feel like the first part of life was really messy or really difficult or things. Heck yes. And 
And it's true. It, it, it often is. But the thing about the six is to realize that it was a necessary part of a much longer storyline or arc over the yeah. life. And without that first 30 years of experience, you wouldn't be where you were today. And what happens at around 28, 29 is that it's almost like the six is ready to become the six. You start becoming who you actually are. You start getting a sense of your purpose, your own inner sense of authority. You start developing, kind of regaining a sense of optimism about life. And this second phase of life for the six line profile goes from 2829 to about 4950, the time of the Chiron return. That in-between stage is said to be when the six goes on the roof. And the six kind of starts pulling back relative to where you were in the first part of the life. And you start developing your seeing and your objectivity become more outwardly focused. And it's not like you're not living life or doing things or having an impact on the world. Life continues. But what it's all leading towards is 4950 when that six is said to come off the roof, like in, a, in other words, kind of come down from its perch, from its objective viewpoint that it's been watching things and reemerge fully in life. Now that may sound, you know, kind of odd or funny, like right now, if you feel like, well, hey, you know, life is happening and I'm here. But from the point of view of this knowledge, it's saying, Yes. And it's going to, there's more coming. It's almost like life begins at 50 for the six line profile. Like whatever's happening now is still leading towards the third part of life. When what I've seen with a lot of six lines, when they come off the roof is that there's sense, there's this greater sense of, of purpose or like, okay, now I understand why, what this life is about and why I'm here and what it all means. And now let's get to, let's really get to work. Wow. Wow. Listeners and John, please pardon the dog. She's she's barking at, at uh, fighting kids in the next room. So I just want to understand one more thing. Like, let's look at the very top. What is the very top? The yellow triangle at the top. That's the head center up at the very top. Okay, so somebody else's though could be like somebody else's could be very different numbers. And does the does the number like? Does high versus low in a number, does that mean anything or is it just where the, the lines connect? It's just, yeah, it's just that particular hexagram, like one out of 64 that, so you've got 64 different numbers in the body graph and 64 will always be in this position. 61 will always be in the same position and 63 in the same position. But like you're saying, different people are going to have different ones colored in or not. And that you could have a head center that's not yellow. It could be white, completely open. Oh. Okay, so now I see it. Like I, I can see one, two. Okay, I see one in the very center. So one, and then two is directly below it, like in the very, like um, in the oh, chest mm-hmm. area. Yep, one is- and then I see three down below that. And I was just thinking that that was like my measurement for that. But thank you for explaining that. Like I, I was feeling like okay, I'm insufficient in some area. But if that's where it always is. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And this kind of brings up another good point to make, which is one of the beautiful things about a system like human design is you'll begin to see that there, there is really no right or wrong, good or bad. It's like it's not good if you have this colored in or bad if you don't have this colored in. It's just describing the underlying mechanics. This, this is the way the energy is set into a certain pattern for this lifetime with the idea being like, this is who you are and what you're here to express. And 
it, it really becomes more a question of accepting oneself and living from that place and not trying to be different than you are. It's, it's more about being the best version of oneself. Like what, what does it really mean for me to, to have an impact on the world? What is my impact? Am I clear about the impact I'm having? Can I share it? You know, and can I be a part of something larger than myself? Do, can I transmit? what I want to transmit. And so it, I would say, removes the blame or any sense of right, wrong, good or bad or judgment from the equation. And we can start accepting ourselves more as as who and what we are. And we can accept the others in our life that way. And you realize that a lot of it's just no, no one's wrong. It's not personal. And so that's where I go with it. And yeah. And, and so, you know, sometimes people will look at a chart and say, well, this chart has more things colored in. Is that good or bad? Because some charts are very white, very open. There's not a lot of definition. Like mine, for example, I've got seven centers open and only two colored in. But there is no real good or bad, right or wrong. It's just saying that this is the life I'm here to have. And I might as well do it because no one else can (laughs) live my life for me. Right. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, I can't thank you enough because even at 41, like, and finally feeling like I know what I'm supposed to be doing, I feel like this was, okay, I don't want to say the word that most people, or the words that most people say, the final nail in the coffin. I want to say that this was the final nail that solidified that I'm on the right track. So thank you so much because, yeah, and as I already said, I I was I was still skeptical. I was very skeptical, but now like I am so excited. I actually want, I'm going to, my husband's going to have to listen to this because now I'm curious what his is all about. (laughs) But where can listeners go if they want to order and work with you, order their own human design chart and and work with you to find out more? Yeah. I don't feel like I said that right, but you know. I do. I understand. So my website is called Metamorphic humandesign.com and I'll spell it out real quick. It's M-E-T-A-M-O-R-P-H-I-C humandesign.com and I have information about uh, human design up there and if you were interested in booking a session, you can do that there. You can also contact me through the contact form there. I'd be happy to speak with you. And then if you'd like to just go and put your birth data in and you can run a free chart on Jovian Archive, and that's J-O-V-I-N Archive, A-R-C-H-I-V-E dot com. And they have a free chart generator and you can get, there's a lot of free information on human design on the internet and just type it up and you'll see all sorts of stuff. Again, I'm happy to answer any questions or to speak with anyone. And if I could, Kim, just leave you with one thing that I want to make sure I, I cover um, about your design. It's something called strategy. And each type, like the manifestor type as an energy type, has a specific strategy. And the manifestor strategy is to inform. And what that means is that when you're clear on the impact that you want to have, like what you want to do, the experience that you want to have, what you want to say, and you're aware that there may be an impact, this may affect someone or it's going to be received by someone, the strategy of informing is really about you could call it like a courtesy call or just kind of giving people advance notice of what you're doing 
so that they can either decide whether they want to be a part of it, whether they how, how they want to handle it, or maybe they can sign on and they end up being the ones who want to be part of helping you sustain something or build something. And what it does is it removes the resistance because there's something about the manifestor aura that that comes up often where it can kind of put people on on their heels a little bit or they don't they know that they can't control the manifestor the manifestor is going to do what they want and so they get a little bit kind of wary or nervous and the informing kind of reduces that that resistance or that sense of like okay I don't know what they're going to do and it's not like you have to ask for permission it's more saying hey I'm just telling you this is what I'm doing and you can experiment with that like like with your husband or your family and just kind of play around with it and say, what if I tell them in advance what I'm going to do or what I, what, what's getting ready to happen and see how it goes, see if there's less resistance. And then what ends up happening is what's, it's not on the rave properties, but the manifestor signature is that of peace. And it's like peace to live your life as yourself without interference, peace to be you, to implement or to follow your own vision. And you'll see that these, the not self theme of anger just doesn't become as common or prevalent. It just, it kind of, it's neutralized in a way through the informing. And that would be something to experiment with. I've already been experimenting, not even realizing. And I'm, I need to figure out how to show my camera for a quick second. Can you see this? My 2020 goal? I can see it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I created this in the midst of quarantine. I think I created it in May. And this top one says record my Pinterest for podcasters course and launch it by August 31st. Well, I told for the first time I put it out there, the actual date, because I had been talking about this course since February of 2019, never put a date on, never informed people when I was going to do it. I just, you know, talked about it, but I never really decided and held myself to it. But the moment that, I mean, I had it down here and then it kept on circling back and I was going to push it off. And then all of a sudden I was in an event in early August and I, without even remembering, even though it was sitting right here, I informed my group during that event, I'm going to have it done by August 31st. I'm launching it. On August 30th, I wanted to, like, I wanted to stall. And I woke up on August 31st and I said, nope, I've got to finish it. And then I looked over and there it is like on the board because it's, (laughs) I don't look over here very often. Okay. Like I look here, Mm -hmm. even when I'm working, I look this way. I'm like, holy moly. And I call my husband up and I'm like, look, I wrote it down earlier this year. Now I do want listeners to know, as John already talked about, I'm good at starting and if if you've been listening for four years, you got to let me know. I've been talking about this book, Chronic Idea Disorder. Look at that, John. Chronic Idea it. Disorder. It's right there. I've been talking about writing this book for years since I launched the podcast. I never announced that date. It says September 2nd. I never announced the date. We're past September 2nd, listeners. And the first draft is nowhere near completed. Nowhere near. But the next thing down, okay, no, that's not happening either. I put out another one that I said, my community, actually, I want to launch that. And I've already put it out there when I'm doing it. And it's going to happen. But it's the informing and the deciding in the, um, whoa, I am so excited. (laughs) Yeah, The, the informing allows people to either get out of the way or get on board. 
you know, it, yep. that's kind of what it comes down to. But yeah, it's yep. it's been great to talk to you today. And I really appreciate the opportunity to explore some of this with you. It's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you as well. And listeners, if you were listening to this whole thing and didn't see it again, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pp six seven, seven, and you can go to YouTube and see what my actual chart looked like. Also on PP six, seven, seven, you'll find John's links with your permission, John, I'd actually like to put this on my chart, sure. like embedded yes. in the, in the show notes as well. I'll send it to you. But yeah. You'll, you'll have John's links because I want your mind to be blown as much as mine has been. I mean, this has been huge for me. I can't wait until my husband listens to it. So let me know what you thought about this episode. I want to hear what your type is after you get your chart created. And I also want you to know, I did go to Jovian Archive and pull my original chart. I can't believe these kids, they're just like <laughs> fighting nonstop and the dog doesn't like it. But that's where I went and got my original one and I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Don't feel bad. That's why John does what he does to help make it simple. So go talk to him. John, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can leave with the listeners and the viewers today? I would say love yourself. Self-love and acceptance is really the foundation of all of this. And living as oneself and operating in a way that you know that's true and correct for you is is probably the simplest way I could put it. And you know, as complex as human design is in a system like this, I think that's what it all leads back to. And so that's what I would offer. That's amazing. Thank you so much again, John. Thank you. It's been great. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Bye.